and welcome back to Rate That Album, a back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, with me as always, it's Paul Muad'Dib. Paul, how are you doing? Well, my buddy Gary's got a boner. <laughs> well, he better look me in the eye and tell me that I'm satisfied then, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this week I decided uh, to rip a ba- one of the many band-aids that comes with discussing music especially for people from minnesota uh we are talking about the replacements and their album let it be uh paul before we dig into this uh because preface i i just read uh the book trouble boys uh Mm -hmm. it's a biography on the replacements for all of them besides one because he's dead um contributed interviews and stuff so i'm coming in pretty heavily loaded with information but how, how about you what what is your uh, uh familiarity with this band you know it's not i was more familiar with westerberg's solo work than i was with the replacements to be honest with you um quite a lot of it was played on uh the current and um before they sold out cities 97 would play a lot of westerberg um so by the time you know i i mean what this album came out what in 1984 i was three years old so yeah it came and went for me um but westerberg was on kbsc the current it was cities 97 so i i'm I'm really excited actually uh to hear a lot of the information because i know there's a lot there but I, i don't know any of it yeah i think for us there's definitely a generational change where we were probably more familiar with the Westerberg stuff just because that was on the alternative radio we listened to. And mm-hmm. the people who were like a generation before us who hated the Westerberg stuff because it was not like the replacements. Right. So let me, I, I, I first got started listening to this band at like 19 or 20. And a buddy of mine, he was an older generation guy. He loved this band. And so he would suggest things, and I'd be like, yeah, it's all right. And that's the worst thing you can say to a Replacements fan is, yep, it's all right. <laughs> uh, something I would learn painfully in the next 10 years of working in a record store <laughs> to oh, the point God. where I just didn't give anybody any opinion on the Replacements. Uh, same with Bob Dylan and Prince. Even if you said you like something, it would devolve into the most mind-numbingly horrific discussion you'd never want to have mm-hmm. so I got, I got into them and like the thing is like over the years uh the especially in my 20s the more people would yell at me about this band the more i just started hating them <laughs> and it's not really because of the band it was a lot of their fan base mm-hmm. then i read trouble boys and then I started hating the band. So. Oh, God. Oh, uh, God. So brief history. They started in late 70s. It's Paul Westerberg, Bob Stinson, his little brother, Tommy. Tommy was 13 when the band started, uh, drops out of high school. Uh, I mean, he's in his mid-20s when the band breaks up in 1990. Just to give you an idea how young this kid was compared wow. to the rest of the guys. Uh Future Guns N' Roses bass player, too. Yeah. <laughs> and drummer Chris Mars. And uh, so the, these guys were kind of like part of the first wave of pretty much Minneapolis's uh, music scene. Mm-hmm. So if you go back, it was, and especially because they latched onto the hardcore and the punk, and you can hear that in some, some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a genre that none of the members really cared for. <laughs> and would be openly hostile to like punk audiences when they play outside of Minneapolis. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, where uh, they would play, I think it was like some like CBGB or something, and a bunch of hardcore punks of Mohawk, Liberty Spikes, and all that. And, uh, you know, 14 year old Tommy Stinson goes to the microphone. He's like, Ooh, look, punk rockers. <laughs> just and anta- this band is basically their whole mo is to antagonize a crowd they would uh they're known for their th- this band could be called alcoholism the band and not in like a fun way like metallica 
more oh, in like, oh my god, this is tragic, uh, <laughs> because uh, they would be blacked out, drunk, and get on stage and play sets. And if you know, the, the, reading the book, it, if you've known chronic alcoholics, you know they're not pleasant to be around. No, 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 no. I know chronic alcoholics, and I hate being around them. Yeah, and they were chronic alcoholics. And everybody hated being around them. But for a certain section of people who are going to college in Minnesota in the mid-80s, it was the most fantastic thing they'd ever seen in their lives. Which is another reason I just I hate replacements fans. <laughs> Fair enough. They, they, like, they idolize this shit, and it's just like, I've seen drunk bands, they're not fun. And reading in the book, uh, these guys... We could barely play through one song. They would stop and start different songs. They had a thing called a pussy set where they'd play shitty covers if they didn't like the audience. Uh, <laughs> like pop songs, like Bay City Rollers and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like openly antagonistic. And yeah, it's it's funny when you talk about it, but when you're reading it, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. And this is a band that self-sabotaged themselves at every step of the way. I've had well, conversations with replacements fans who are like, man, if they would have just gotten a, a better chance, they'd have been up there with REM and like, yeah, but they didn't. They were given a major label. They gave, they were given hundreds of thousands of dollars to promote albums that they refused. They would fuck around on radio and they basically were their own worst enemy. <laughs> From what I understand of Westerberg, he was his own worst enemy. Yeah, he's always been his own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, he still kind of is. The, when they did the replacements reunion, like, was it 2015, 2014? He sabotaged that. Uh, he just, he claimed he could make more money doing solo shows than with the replacements, which I'd call bullshit because he's not playing, he's not selling out Met Stadium like he did with the replacements. The replacements right. reunion. Uh, he's just an asshole. These guys were just, it was four assholes in a band with raging substance abuse issues. It, uh, just to fast forward, it got to a point before they broke up, Westerberg had to get sober because his body couldn't metabolize alcohol anymore. Oh, God. What happens when you're drinking that much is if you drink, like he would drink two or three beers. And he would be blacked out drunk, and that's because his body is rejecting it. Oh, my God. Yeah. it's it, So when people are like, yeah, ha-ha, they're drunk, ha-ha, it's like, yeah, but they no. were, they're, they're those sad guys at the bar who were just like, holy fuck. So it's not really, uh, you know, they, they were a bunch of assholes. But unfortunately for me, Paul, they're assholes who did manage to write some really good songs. And here Yeah, they wrote some about, really good songs. So we're talking about Let It Be, 1984. This is considered one of the last... This is like a one-two punch of like, which they, most fans would consider their, uh, their best two albums is This and Tim in that it features the original lineup uh, before they fire Bob Stinson. Bob Stinson, long history of uh, mental illness. He was molested and raped as a kid by a stepfather, shit like that. Oh, God. He, yeah, yeah. This band is full of fun stories, Paul. Fucking <laughs> Christ. Uh, he would end up fucking basically drinking his body and drugging his body to the point where his organs just shut down and I think it was 95 uh yeah hilarious wacky uh, matt stories i'm i'm full of here paul but oh let's go back so this is considered the basically their classic album uh it it blends their punk stuff with the emergence of paul westerberg's more songwriting talents this and tim will blend that those two pretty much really well after they fire bob uh they lose an edge and uh, they kind of, uh, you know, and the firing of Bob was also a tragic thing in that the decision was up to Tommy, his little brother, to fire him. So oh, God. Paul Westerberg is not only an asshole, he's a fucking coward, too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So 
uh, before we get into like the review, there is like a, a hilarious story though. I know I've been pretty. Uh, it's their story is dark and depressing. It's hard to get around that when you're dealing with four functioning chronic alcoholics. Right. But uh, how they came up with the album title is they were really drunk on tour in their tour van. And they're rattling their brains trying to come up with a, a name for this album. Uh, you know, they were finished up recording. They just needed to get the cover art and the album title. Westberg drunkenly said, we're going to name it after the next song that plays on the radio. They obviously <laughs> let it be by the Beatles plays. He's like, we're playing it. Their manager at the time's like, yeah, they're going to forget they ever said this. Nope. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. They did not. And it, they're even like for the follow up album, Tim Westerberg considered calling it Let It Bleed. To st- <laughs> the oh, theme, God. Which would have been majestic. But again, another thing they fucked up. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah, I think so. But. For all the shit I kicked and all the darkness I kicked out, it's it's a, it's a, one of the most honestly, it's one of the most depressing books I've ever read. It's just you're watching a band, you're reading about a band, and they're just basically just imploding and self destructive, and it's really not. It's interesting. I love band bios and band documentaries, but that one even tested me with like how much torture porn can you go through. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, I I had no idea. I mean, like I said, I knew Westerberg had some demons, um, but oh, yeah. I didn't know it went that far. Oh yeah, he was. They had he had a lot, lot of substance and antagonizing the label. They were on Sire, uh, which was from uh, a sub label of Warner Brothers. They would burn their per diems and then complain about not having money. Like it was just like. Shit, like, you're just like, what the fuck is the point of that? But when you're drunk, and you're dr- that drunk all the time, I guess, there's no explanations. That's why chronic alcoholics, you just, you can't really explain their behavior, because no. it's just all in their head with the, the chemicals and whatever. But, <sighs> let's talk about, what was your uh, initial reaction to Let It Be, Paul? So when I first heard it, I immediately went, why have I not heard this? Um, like, how did this not get on my radar living here in Minnesota? You know, having listened to Westerberg, I don't understand how I didn't hear it. Um, my initial thought was this is a cross between punk and grunge. Like, yeah. That was like, I'm like, this is a punk band that's that's becoming a grudge, a, a grunge band or a grunge band that's delving in the punk but knowing how old the album was i was like it's got to be the former yeah um it's pre-grunge they're kind of considered uh, yeah people call neil young the god this is more what people would associate with grunge they had close connections with soul asylum dave perner was friend of the band and all that yeah no there definitely is punk in here there's grunge in here there's also you know, like a, like a piano song uh, that <laughs> came out of nowhere. Uh, Which is that my is, favorite song on the album. Yeah, androgynous. Yeah. And, and like, you listen to the lyrics of it, you're going, for 1984, Westerberg, man, like, like it's so poignant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so poignant. Like, holy shit. Your installs will be laughed at the way you're laughed at now. now. Yeah. That sort of yeah. shit, like. Wow, that was predicted way before people were scared about transgendered people using urinals. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, there it's just there's uh, there's so much here that is just really really good. Uh, honestly, um unsatisfied has been on like repeat on my fucking playlist. That's been like, on a playlist of mine, Paul, for at least 15 years. <laughs> it's so good. It's so fucking good. Um, that opening yeah. with the 12-string guitar, and yeah, it's it's a great, great it's track. It's a great track. I mean, I Will Dare, it's just, you know, it's got that punk pop to it. Um, yeah, I, this album is really, really good. Um, yeah, and the nice thing about I Will Dare 
Peter Buck plays that guitar solo on it. Oh, from, does he? Yep. R.E.M. and the Replacements were pretty good friends with friendly rivalry between them. Uh, one band actually tried <laughs> and became successful. The other became their own worst enemies. Yeah. You decide which was which in that ball. Well, you know, Michael Stipe went nuts. No. He's <laughs> 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 also got one of my. Oddly, a really good Kiss cover song on here. Yeah, Black Diamond, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that comes out a, of nowhere too. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. That came out of absolute nowhere. That falls and, right in the middle of androgynous and unsatisfied. <laughs> yeah, it's you're just like I, I I don't know much about Kiss, but even I know that's a Kiss song, and I was like, that's a Kiss cover. What the fuck is these guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no answering machine. Like there's a lot of pain in, in Westerberg and, and in the lyrics here. I mean, you got some of the joke ones in a way, like Tommy gets his tonsils out and, you know, Gary's got a boner, but senior video is probably the most cringy. I think that one just is just not, not good. It's not wet that well. Yeah. But like answer machine, uh, you know the the pain that you hear in unsatisfied, like that's uh, unsatisfied. Even to me, it goes like it's like almost pre emo. I mean, yeah. just the way the voice is going and the and, and you know, the wavy of the voice that's become a staple in emo tracks. Um, like holy fuck! Yeah, and the uh, cool thing, like so, I've been list unsatisfied's been like I said on playlist for me for like fifteen years. But I was reading the book, and Westerberg kind of dismisses it or whatever, because, you know, he's he's got to be a dick about everything. Sure. Uh, but he pointed out something that I, I never really even noticed. He says there's really no lyrics to that song. It's just me yelling, I'm, I'm unsatisfied. I'm like, I thought about it. I'm like, I never thought of it. And I was like, it's still a good song. Still one of your best songs. <laughs> but it was just like, that kind of floored me. It's like, yeah, there really isn't. No. No, it's, 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 uh, you know, um, are we, you know, are we satisfied? I'm unsatisfied, dissatisfied. Um, I, 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 I mean, in a way it's his, I can't get no satisfaction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because there's not a whole lot of lyrics there either. No, exactly. So Paul, let's, uh, let's go through, let's, let's talk about our favorite songs. And I'll let you go first. Like, what is your favorite song on this? My favorite song on this, hands down, is Unsatisfied. Like, that's my favorite song. Unsatisfied, um, Androgynous, um, I Will Dare, uh, Favorite Thing, Answering Machine. Um, those are some of the great ones. 16 Blues uh, is all right. I mean, I, it's not my favorite, but I, I'll listen to it. Um, you know, Tommy's Got His Tonsils Out. It's a, it's a funny punk song. We're Coming Out. Eh, I, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. Senior video, as you said, it's cringe. But um, Black Diamond is—I mean, it's the—it's better than the Kiss version in my mind. <laughs> it so. just kind of comes out of nowhere, too. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, this is all in all, like front to back, a solid fucking album, dude. Yeah, like one of the more solid ones that we've reviewed. Yeah, it, it is, and it's like, and it's, I want to talk about it too because it's like. I've, you know, I've been kind of balancing, like, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like, don't meet your heroes. Like, also probably don't read about them either. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, you and I, uh, going back to our heroes, you know, that type of thing, you and I, big Pink Floyd fans, you and I have read books about it. <laughs> yeah. And, and we said, you know, I wish I hadn't uh, in some of it because of just the way they all come across as fucking smug shits. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So for me, and I guess, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm older and maybe it's just because like I hadn't really listened to the lyrics really that closely before until this. Androgynous is my favorite. It's such it's, a good song. The piano I love. I love how it ends with just like a fart chord. basically. Yep. But it's like, it's such a beautiful song about uh, two people who are, you know, not gender specific or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, falling in love. And it is like, you, you, it, it's unexpected from a band that just seems like a bunch of fucking, 
roughneck asshole holes from Minneapolis, and it's like, wow, that's pretty incredibly ta- uh, tolerant song, uh, like respectful song for the era it came out of, and mm-hmm. especially from these group of guys. But I just, I just love it. Uh, I think it just it rings as as times change. Yeah, we're seeing people being more accepted, and I, I saw this cover. Uh, Laura Grain, Jane Grace from against me, who's uh, transgendered uh, into a woman. Yeah, she does a cover with Joan Jett and Miley Cyrus, which is really good. If you have, it, that's on YouTube. Like, I'll share it with you at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, share that with me. But yeah, I really like that. Unsatisfied, I re- I really like. Like I said, an answering machine. Just yes. Uh, I like the curmudgery of technology even <laughs> something is like now is every day is an answering machine but just how like intrusive it felt to to westerberg in 1984 oh yeah oh yeah and like again you can tell that he literally like this is a song of a place of he truly hates this this person's answer this woman's answer machine <laughs> he fucking hates it and you can tell that it's not just a a a, a, a song to write a song it's he fucking hates it. Oh, and and I and I I like the balance too, and of uh, goofy songs with like the serious. Yes, which I think they lost after Tim. They this uh, Westbrook start you know this, this is what happens when people are told they're they're an artist artist for so many years they start believing it. So you get yeah. the all you end up getting is these artist artist songs from Westerberg and. Some of them are good, and some of them are just like, oh, Jesus Christ, man, there's no levity here. There's like no <laughs> – I'm yep. just being whacked over the head with your emotions. It's like if I want to hear that, I'll listen to The Wall because that will you know, I know. so much depression I can uh, sit through. But So I listen to that song like Tommy gets his tonsils out, and I love the imagery of it, of this doctor who <laughs> you know, wants to get to play golf, and he has to do this stupid surgery. So he, so he doesn't. So yeah. So he just quickly rips them out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Just quickly rips them out because because he has to hit the greens. He has to hit the links. I just like yeah. that. that. To me, I just. I mean, it's that 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 tickles me. Yes. But then you get like the really the only two songs I don't like a senior video like it. It's just cringy. I like the they almost have like a. a a Neil Young and Crazy Horse vibe with the instrumental, and if uh, Senior Video just remained an instrumental, I probably would have liked it more. Sure. But the last half, all of a sudden, you get these lyrics about, you know, it's just like, we're real rock and roll and you're not, and it's like, oh, fuck off. Considering yeah. a few years later, they would make videos <laughs> themselves. So. Yeah, no, and it's... for And for as little lyrics it has, it didn't need to be a three-minute song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then 16 blue i just think it it just slows it down too much it does it, there's it, it's a slow one but i thought it was a good kind of wind down of the album that's my opinion yeah um but no i get what you're i get what you're saying yeah if we went gary's got a boner rate in the answering machine i'd probably you know i mean I, i'll just skip over 16 blue when i listen to it it's just it's just not my favorite uh but yeah, so, but yeah, there's, you know, it's an interesting album. Uh, it's, you know, knowing their story and it's just also like they're recording this. <laughs> uh, they're all still living with their parents when they're recording this. That's funny. Because you see, if you're a punk band in Minneapolis, you're not making money in 1984. Like these guys, no, they did not start making money until they got, uh, even when they got onto a major label, they were all still dead broke. Uh, the that only doesn't one surprise me. The only one, what working was Bob. He was a line cook at some uh, restaurant in Minneapolis. He kept that job. <laughs> all the band was starting to pick up and uh that's hilarious yeah yeah but it's also uh 
he becomes more and more not around on these albums. You don't hear his guitar as often because he would just not show up to the studio because he'd rather, he honestly rather would have just been making pancakes than record with these guys. Cause he was, even at this point he hated being around Paul Westerberg. Yeah. I heard that a lot of it was, it was Westerberg. That was the uh, one that really the other members didn't like. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, he, I mean, he replaced Bob and he replaced the drummer, Chris Mars. And even at one point before they they finally broke up, Tommy Stinson was starting to feel that he was going to be replaced. And, you know, he was like, wow, he'd fi- we'd finally live up to the name of the replacements after that. Because he just, you know, he just. He'd get something up his ass and he'd be all angry at the guitarist or whatever. I mean, this guy hold, holds a grudge, man. Like, he's still angry about things that happened in 1989. Really? <laughs> yeah, you read that book, he's just, he's still mad. Like, he spent a decade, like, the guitarist who followed Bob's Slim Dunlap, uh, he said something like he thought his solo songs were kind of shitty and Paul Westerberg wouldn't talk to him for like 10 years. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ yeah like just and it's that kind of shit is just like it that's such a minnesota thing too that just it's such a midwest attitude like you say something that slights me slightly i'm gonna be mad at you for the next decade (laughs) yeah it is I, i i mean I can't lie. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the podcast we we've been I've been walking on eggshells with you after that Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you hate the whitest album we've ever listened to? <laughs> That'll even include when we review the white album. It's <laughs> <laughs> You're right, right. <laughs> No, all, all in all, though, this album is a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, I, it, truth be told, you know, not knowing much about the band, um, it's kind of depressing to 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 know, you know, that this is kind of what they were. But I'm not entirely shocked. I mean, it's a punk band from Minneapolis. I was in a punk band from Minneapolis, and I could tell you, um, you know, well, I should say, a, a punk band that's north of Minneapolis. And, uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of fucking drunks. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, it's also funny because they, you know, they were good friends because another bit, they were also compared when they first came out with another band from Minneapolis at the time, Husker Du. Oh, yes. Yeah, they knew each other. Like, Bob Mould, I think, is he's one of my favorite uh, songwriters. That guy is fucking talented shit. he is really talented he's straight up really talented yeah so it's just, it's kind of crazy like their history you know like it's just uh it's tragic it's really dark there there is like moments where it's it's entertaining but it, that entertaining quality if like you like i said and you agreed like if you've been around chronic drunks it's not as entertaining no, it's different being yeah. a spectator than being around it. Yeah, I was in a short-lived punk band um, that played um, in a basement um, at this particular house, and we would play every Friday night at this house um, shortly after high school. And you know, I wanted it to be something a little bit more serious, but they just looked at it as we get free booze at this place, um, and. You know, very, very short-lived. It was something like maybe a couple months, um, if that, uh, performing. And it just got to the point where, like, depending on the night, depending on what Friday night and how many people were coming in out of this house, uh, we wouldn't even finish a set because they would be too, they, you know, not, I, I would like to say I wasn't included, but I probably was, um, you know, being too drunk to finish a set. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's one thing when you're playing a house party, like people are paying to see these guys at First Avenue and these, you know, all all across the country. They'd go on these national tours and. Right. And be blackout fucking drunk. 
blackout drunk and you know sometimes they'd be like really good like it was just i guess it was muscle memory for them because they'd be blacked out and then they'd sober up because they're burning all that energy on stage and then come to their whatever but a lot of times it was just them falling over each other and (laughs) jesus yeah yeah but you know it's they're now considered a, a classic band, and you know these albums are probably finally making them a little bit of change. Sure, sure. Which, yeah. I mean, for an album that that is this good, they <clears throat> should get some change for it. This is a stellar album. Yeah. yeah, this is a great album. This and if you know the follow up, Tim, Tim suffers because it was just produced really bad. It was produced by Tommy Ramone. And oh. it's just, it's so tinny sounding. It's just like the there's no there's no backbeat from the bass and drums. It just it falls flat. We're here. It, it it feels more textualized and it actually pops a bit. Yeah, their their major label debut with Tim. It just it sounded like shit, which is a shame because there's so many really good songs on it, but they don't sound good. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. No, that makes. That makes sense to me. I mean, I'll, I'm definitely going to check it out. Like I said, I don't know a whole lot about the replacements. I know more about Westerberg solo. So, yeah, um, yeah I definitely want to listen to more of them. I'll have to check out the album, Tim. Um, but all in all, no, I I, uh, I think this I, I was a pleasure to listen to this album compared to some well, things we've done. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll suggest it. I think people should listen to it. It's just... Uh, People just don't talk to me about the replacements because I'm, 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 I made nope. a point to talk with Paul about it because I, I like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Most people I don't like, so don't talk to me about this band because I don't want to talk about the replacements with strangers. No, that's fair, man. And yeah, I, I totally rec- guess. Yes, I will suggest and recommend this album. Like this is something, um, you know. Again, if you're if you're in the into the grunge or what grunge was, you're in the uh, kind of post punk um, or even punk. There's a lot here, um, and there's some pop sensibilities on this as well. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, Westerberg doesn't make. Yeah, he doesn't you know lie or anything. He's like, I grew up on bands like Kiss and the Bay City Rollers. Like, he had an ear for poppy catchy songs and it shows through and mm-hmm. yeah and this is an album i think it was re- if it was released in 1991 instead of 1984 uh this band would be more of a household name i would say i, I would completely agree with you this came out way too early yeah and it, was, it was just ahead of their time uh a lot of bit you know that's just that's that's you know that's just much like happens. the sparks right yeah. much like but the sparks like, yeah yeah, it's just, you know, you just come too early and but, you know, they're now generally regarded as kind of like the forefathers of Nirvana and those sorts, oh, of, yeah. especially Nirvana. Like I hear a lot. Cobain always said he wasn't a big replacements fan, which I I, I I'd probably call bullshit on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, unsatisfied. That totally screams of Nirvana. Yeah, that sounds like that could be on in utero. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the vocals, everything on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I think even in the, I read it was in the book, but like in the '90s, Westerberg actually wrote like a song, dissing Cobain for some reason. <laughs> Just to show what a giant asshole this guy is. Like he's sober. He was sober, and like it was just like, man, he sounds like a dry drunk if he's doing that shit. Oh my god, there's nothing worse than a dry drunk. Fuck. God (laughs) damn it, Westerberg. He just he he wants to remain a giant asshole. All the power to him, I guess. Yeah, right. I'll enjoy the music. I just. Won't ever want to meet him on the street or anything. So, uh, real quick, I just want to bring up because I always like to bring up the reviews of albums and things like that. Uh, this album is, I mean, five stars, all music, five stars, the Austin Chronicle, A plus uh, from the Chris Gow record guide. Um, 
and 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 me eight out of ten pitchfork ten out of ten rolling stone five out of five spin five out of five um this album gets a lot of praise um it's on a lot of best rock and roll um albums vh1 it's on the uh on their that at 79 a uh, pitchfork put at 29 of the best 100 albums of the 80s spin ranked it number 12 on their greatest 25 albums of all time um this is on uh, a lot of rolling stones best albums from, of, of their 500 greatest albums this is on a lot of yeah. there's a lot of love for this album absolutely it, it deserves that love like and i feel like i came off really crabby with this and i People, you gotta understand. I've been talk. People have been talking to me about this band for so many years. I get really defensive and angry about it. <laughs> it's well, like when people talk to me about Bob Dylan and the replacements. Like, just because I'm from Minnesota doesn't mean I want to talk about these bands. And, and, and I'm gonna, I'm I wish gonna, more people would want to talk to me about Prince because I could talk about Prince day and night. Like, well, and this, this, I want to bring that up. Is that uh, you know, I, I mean, when you. Leave Minnesota. You talk. You know. You tell people, and they're like, "Oh, you must be a Prince fan. Oh, you must be a Bob Dylan fan. Oh, you must be a Replacements fan." And um, I'm with you. I'll talk Prince all day long. I'll talk Prince all day long. I've met Bob Dylan. I mean, I've run into him. Um, <laughs> there's not much to say there. The guy doesn't fucking talk. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you live in Minnesota, you've probably run into him or Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, it's just what it is. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter who didn't even serve in the military, Paul. No, no, but I know, but I tell you what, he frequents the St. Cloud Target quite a bit. Um, <laughs> crossroads or East Crossroads. Side? Crossroads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen him there at least twice. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's what it is, but no Prince was always, was an enigma even to us in Minnesota. Like people are like, Oh man, talk to us about Prince. Fuck. Well, <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> I think, uh, like, well, let's go. Cause we still, we have time with this. It's podcasting. I think people like thought like that Charlie Murphy, true Hollywood story was a lot of embellishment. From the people I know that had run-ins with Prince, it wasn't him making those pancakes after beating them. Eddie Murphy's brother in basketball is not the weirdest Prince story I've heard. No, no, it, it's not. Like, like Prince was a strange dude. Like he had Paisley Park. I mean, you, you and the bring up the Chris. Uh, I mean, not Chris. The um, Kevin Smith story. That yeah. Kevin Smith would talk about Prince and <laughs> the documentary how he, he made that will never be released. Yes, yes. So my sister-in-law um, was a was was at a um, went to school for production, uh, music production, and Prince was notorious uh, in, in a good way for letting people use his studio um, to like you know to come in and learn. And she was in Prince's studio, and. It's the truth that he has this the the, the vault the the vault that people talk about that uh, you know people were thinking after he died was going to be a release of at least twenty five Prince albums because yeah, there's just so much there. I think it was more than twenty five. I think they said he they could have released a new Prince album every year for like the next seventy five years. Like he just was it that much? that much? Yeah, it was he recorded that much material. But the thing people have to remember is it's not all of it's going to be it. You know, uh, you know, sign of the a times. purple rain. Purple yeah, it's not gonna rain. be. A, yeah, no, and I think that's you know, the guy was a genius, but with that genius came a very troubled, troubled life. Yeah, yeah, he was. But yeah, the amount of I think uh, Brian Eno was like that too. He re, he has like hundreds of albums of material recorded that he just doesn't release because it, he doesn't think it's that good. But he just that does is. it just to like you know probably like keep the brain fresh, and I'm sure that's what Prince was doing. Just keep recording and give a song a chance, and if it doesn't work, throw it in the vault. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Neil Young's the same way. He Neil he Young's had, the he same has way. Albums of shit that's just never released, and he just started releasing the bootlegs, which is a bunch of stuff. I think that was yeah. sitting in his vault. And a lot of it's really good, and you're like, why did you? <laughs> 
on to this. And, like, some of the stuff I've been hearing from the Prince vaults, like, some unreleased stuff. Like, they released, like, a few years ago uh, that him on a piano doing songs. Yep. yep. And that was fu- fucking phenomenal. It was so good. I but was, Prince- like, floored by that. I was like, God damn. <laughs> but but Prince was and is a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I the, I am shocked that the purple rain that we got is the purple rain that we got, right? Because that was a one-time recording at First Avenue. And yeah. if you listen closely, you can hear in the background uh, uh, some of the audience. Um, and I'm just, I'm surprised that we got that version of the song. Well, he's such a phenomenal guitarist, Paul. Paul, what's your mm-hmm. top three? guitarists Lindsay buckingham prince um and frank zappa oh wow yeah mine uh number three i would say prince yep number two david gilmore just because it's my i'm going by my favorites but yep, prince yep. is like a top three and number one you guessed it Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone. <laughs> Rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so sad, wasn't it? Yeah. Dirty yeah. Work was such an underrated movie. <laughs> ridiculous. Just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> what really hurt was the betrayal. Well, no, the other thing, that hurt the most, but the betrayal also hurt. <laughs> Dude, uh, Norm, Norm, Norm was... He, he transcended comedy, man. Like he was a, the thing with Norm was he was a comics comic, you know. He was the guy that was making the other comics laugh. Oh, he was God. like a Gilbert Godfrey in that regards. The roast of Bob Saget, where he just <laughs> just does those lame jokes because Comedy Central, like they told him to like just go as dirty and go for the throat with Bob here. <laughs> Norm was so like kind of offended by that, so he just. Did the lame, the lame the jokes. Lame dad jokes. Yes. <laughs> and nobody knew what was going on. But except except the other some of the other comics were in on the joke. Like, yeah. No, dude, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Um but no, I mean back to back to Prince. That guy, uh, the the Super Bowl that he played, right? Oh, where he did Purple Rain in the Rain? Where he did Purple Rain in the Rain. And you if you watch if you I watched a documentary on it, like I don't know if it was a 30 for 30 what it was, but um, they were like, they were so scared that Prince was going to cancel. And he's like, nah. He's like, he's like, we'll make this work. And here he is in the rain. Like, and, and they said the shoes that he was wearing and that in the area, and it was so slick and he was dancing around and the girls were dancing around. It, it was just, it was poetic. And he does purple rain in the rain at the fucking Super Bowl, And he owned it. Oh, he God. owned that shit. Yeah, he would. He when he'd make those appearances, man, like uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where they, they yes! all my guitar gently weeps, and he just fucking crushes the solo. Yes, like, everybody's just looking in awe because he's just he's on fucking fire, man. Like, holy shit! Yeah, and at the end, he just throws the guitar up in the air and just walks off. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? <laughs> it's a baller move, man. That was a baller. Move. It was. It was. <laughs> that 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 move worked for him, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Holy oh, fuck! Oh, All right. So, so, Joe, what so, do you got going on at the Joe Down? Uh, <laughs> we just did the review for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> you sure did. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that review, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Took some swipes at J.K. Rowling. Uh, As you should. <laughs> you know, as soon as I saw those goblins, man, I knew. I was oh. like, oh, 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 slow down there, J.K. <laughs> yeah. The World yeah, War the... II propaganda poster. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, the uh, the bankers, the banking goblins are not the best thing ever. Yeah, um, I thought the same thing when I saw them when I watched the movie for the first time. I was like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> I talked to my buddy Dan. He says they're not described as that detailed, probably in the book from his memory. I, I don't know. I'll probably pick up that book right now. I'm uh, in the middle of the clash of kings the game of thrones shit because oh yes how are you liking those uh 
I'm liking it. I like it a lot. I think that I just like the more detail in the in the books. You get like the perspectives better than in the show. So that's what I'm enjoying. <sighs> it's like I tell people: for every subplot that was in the show, there's about five other subplots that you never yeah. got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm not in the middle of the second book. I'm in. I, but the weirdest character so far is that patch face guy. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, what the hell's, what the hell's wrong with that guy? There, there's a lot of characters as you get in that you're going to go, what's wrong with this guy? And I don't want to give too much away, but there was a particular character that was dropped out of the show that never should have been. Yeah, and, I think I know your time. Because I, I cheated. I went ahead. That's uh, Caitlin Stark zombie. Yeah, it's Lady Stoneheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, they they never should have took her out of the out of the show. Um, you know, they they should have put her in because she was, um, uh, she was fucking awesome. So I don't want to give, like I said, I don't want to give too much away on what her character does. But there was a particular scene that they changed in the show that was actually should have been Lady Stark's triumph. Wow. Yeah, I'm guessing Arya when she kills. Uh, I'm not going to say anything to you, dude. I'm not going to say it. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to look it up. <laughs> well, fine, fine. Yes, yes. It wasn't Arya that that killed, um, uh, Mister, uh, uh, what's his name from Harry Potter? Yeah, uh, <laughs> Mr. Filch. You, I, you, I saw that actor. I was like, oh yeah, Red Wedding's going to appear in this one. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it wasn't Arya. It was Lady Stoneheart that okay. that killed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, these books are so long. It'll probably by the time I get to that, plot, I'll probably be eighty. So that's yeah, and he'll probably still have me done with the next book. <laughs> yeah. He'll just have his brain in a frozen, you know, in a frozen pod. Pretty much typing away, typing away, just like in Frank, just like in a uh, Futurama. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So uh, after Harry Potter, we're doing Bad Lieutenant. Port of New Orleans. Ah, oh, the 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 Johnny uh, the Johnny Cage the Nick Cage Nicholas Cage Werner Horzog for some reason made it. Yep, yep. Bad Lieutenant. They use the Bad Lieutenant name even though it has nothing to do with the actual classic Bad Lieutenant. Movie. It has nothing to do with the original Bad Lieutenant. Um, I I don't know how they got the name for it. Um. But the studio still owned it would be my uh, guess. Probably, yeah, yeah. That's it's that's probably do better if we just make it a, a <laughs> whatever. Fucking fuckers, <laughs> <laughs> faking off of names. Yeah, god damn it. Well, it's kind of troll and troll too, right? Have you guys done troll troll two yet? You guys should do Not troll yet. two. <laughs> you should do troll two. That that should be something you guys totally do. That movie has nothing to do with the first one. Has nothing to do with the first one. But it's fantastic that it has nothing to do with the first one. Oh, yeah, it's on our list. It's on our list. Good. Good. It should be on your list. All right. Well, you got going, Paul. uh, I got this. Maybe I'm going to start up the um, Griffin. can start up the the, the Stranger Things one. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll have to see what's going on with her schedule. Um, that's about it. Uh, cast that movie, unfortunately, is on hiatus again. Um, so you know that's what that is. But more importantly, Joe, is what are we gonna do next week? I don't know. Uh, it's your pick. <laughs> it is my pick. We are going to do the sixth studio album by a female singer that I am a big fan of. Um, we are going to do her album. The Central World. It is Kate Bush. The Central World. Yeah. Her, okay. Yep, her 1989 release. I like Kate Bush. Yeah, I figured. Like of hers, where she was, like, she was somewhat discovered by David Gilmore, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that had she had a lot her on her first couple albums. Yep. I believe you're absolutely right on that. So, yeah, God we're going to do this. Gilmer. God damn it, Gilmer. Quit discovering good talent, Gilmer, and get back <laughs> in the studio. Yeah. Maybe spend less time discovering good talent and focus more on making good albums. <laughs> oh, dude. 
So, uh, uh, did you see they're putting out a re-release of uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason? Oh, I've heard it, man. There's no saving that album. Like, fuck that. They're, they're so... It's, it's on the latter year's box set already, so, like, the fact now they're just putting out, like, a re... Is just such such a cynical money grab. Yeah. Nah, I was that's... on the latter day's box set, like, I think it was, like, two years ago, maybe last year. Not last year, it was at least two years ago. Uh, I think I've even messaged you as like it's still bad, man. <laughs> yeah, you did message me. You said it's awful. Yeah, it's it's. There's no saving that. The, it, the problem with that is <laughs> wasn't the lack of drums and keyboards from the original members. It was the fact that the songs sucked. Yeah, no, the songs are terrible. The songs are absolutely terrible. So yeah, we're gonna do get into a little bit of um of, of some Kate Bush next week. Fantastic. Yeah, I figure, you know, I mean, we'll see we'll see what, what what we think of the album. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that one. I've I've listened to like Wuthering Heights a lot. That was like my favorite. Yeah, Wuthering Heights is a good album. It's 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 a good album. Yeah, it's really good. It is it is really good. It's it's yeah. it's a it's a damn good album. And she's also one, another pioneer we'll probably be discussing cuz her work influenced a lot of 90s uh, women. Oh, yes. Oh, we'll definitely be talking about that. Most notably, I'd probably say Tori Amos. Was, yeah, Tori Amos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you wouldn't have Tori Amos if it wasn't for Kate Bush. Yeah, there but we'll no get into that, that next. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, Joe, why don't you take us out, buddy? You think Gary still has that boner? <laughs> <laughs>